0: Awesome. Well, good morning, Senator Church. How are you? Great. So great to be with you again. My name is Chris and uh, we're going we're gonna to do two parts this morning. So to say it out loud, part one. Part one. Part one. Uh, that's great. About 12 of you were with me. That's great. Try it again. Part one. Awesome. So part one has to do with the actual dedication of this place. And uh, we'll get to part two in about three hours, and then we'll have about five hours after that. So it'll be great. Uh, I'm kidding. Some of you are breaking out in a rash already. It's, it's going to be okay. We won't be here that long at all. But hey, we do want to just take uh, a few moments and just kind of say thank you to you and thank you to God for this space and this place. You know, one of the things that I think is so cool, and and Pastor John just did a great job talking about it, and that is we're not in this space unless many of you in this room sacrificed. And I just want to honor you. And I just want to say thank you. And I just want to say, way to go. And as John said, you know, thank you for caring more about God's work in a place, in a space, instead of something else you could have bought with that same money. So way to go. You're making an eternal difference in this space and in this place. And it's it's no, this is no lie. This literally happened to me this morning. I was out on the Kent County Trail because for those of you who don't know, I literally live like I could walk here this morning. I live on 87th Street. So just three, three streets over. And I was out on Kent County Trail this morning running and ran into someone I know. And, and uh, we started talking for a few moments and she, and I said, you know, I, I'm actually speaking here at Center Church today, and she said, "Oh, isn't that place the place that took out the stripper place and now is a church?" <laughs> and I said, "Woohoo! Like, yeah! Like, that's God's work in this place and in this space. That's really, really cool, you know." But I, I just, again, I want to, I want to say thank you because God redeems everything, and I think it's so cool that you're meeting right here. You know, many of you know the story infinitely better than I do, but people were praying for this space years ago that you guys would actually be in this space years ago. And I think it's so cool that you're in the center, pun intended, of town. You're in the center of town, right here. And I think, that, I think it reminds us that God is working in every aspect of our lives. When we go grocery shopping, God's there. When we eat, God's there. When we're doing life and going to work, God's there. And I think it's just a reminder, this space and this place is just a reminder that God is at work everywhere. And if we're kind of cloistered off in our own little high tower someplace, then sometimes I I think we can forget that. But when we come to church in a strip mall, I think it reminds us God works everywhere, even in strip malls, you know? And and here's the thing. I think this place is special for at least three different reasons. I just want to share with you really quickly. Number one, because this is a place where all of us and you individually can connect with God. This is a place of connecting with God. This is, you know, I, I, I get it. I understand that this is just... Carpet and, you know, and, and chairs that we're sitting in. I get all that. But this, in the midst of this strip mall, is a sacred space. Because God's presence dwells here in a very special way. Let me tell you what I mean by that. My prayer for you and my prayer for us is that you would have moments in this space and in this place that you can hearken back to and say, that's where God met with me in a very real way. I turned off TikTok. I turned off Instagram. I turned it all off. I turned off Macro Polo. I turned it all off. And I just focused on God for a few minutes. And when I did that, God met with me. And I can remember. What I pray is, is that you'll be able to hearken back and say, it was in that seat right there. I was sitting in that seat. Or I was, I was standing right there when God spoke to me about an area in my life that he wanted to bring power to my life in and change. Or God miraculously healed my marriage. Or I, I was really in despair. I was frustrated because I had lost my job and I didn't know what was going to happen. I was stressed out about my finances. But God met with me right there. And it was a connection place with God and I. And because of that, that place is sacred to me. I, I'm as old as dirt. I'm 55 years old. And I can, take you, I can take you back to seats I was sitting in, in sacred spaces just like this, where God met with me in a powerful way. I can remember when I was seven years old and first opened up my heart to a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I can take you back to the seat I was sitting in when that happened. My prayer for you is that you will have experiences in this place where you'll say, the God of gods met with me in his gentleness, in his kindness, in his love, and sometimes in his sternness, he met with me, and I was reminded again of who I am, that I'm a favored son or a favorite daughter of the Most High God that he's wildly in love with me, and that changed everything about me. Some of you will say, man, this is the place where I open up my heart to a relationship with Jesus Christ, which takes us to actually the second meaningfulness I think of this place, and it's, it's a commitment. This place provides for us a commitment to invite other people to connect with God as well. Your friends, the people that you do life with, people in your neighborhood, people in your school, whatever, you actually invite them to this space and this place, and you'll have this incredible opportunity of watching God move in their lives. See, this place is not just for us, it's for other people who are around us that don't know Jesus yet, that we're going to have the privilege of, of inviting them. And by the way, if that's you, if if you're online or if you're here in this room this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Can I just tell you? Again, he's wildly, he's nuts in love with you. And he's done so much. We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning in my message. He's, he really wants to connect with you. But if you are in a relationship with God, then you need to know that this space in this place is an opportunity for you to invite people into so they can experience themselves in a place like this. The powerful work of God in their own life and in their own heart. And finally, this is a place where we're commissioned to go where Jesus has called us. Right back into the marketplace. I think it's so cool. My State Farm representative is here this morning. He's here, you know. And, and I drove very safely on my way here. He would have been really proud. Would have been really proud of me, you know. Um, he really would. Now, I, I'm glad Scott is not in the car most of the time with me. Because if he was, he'd drop me like a hot potato. He would say, I ain't insuring that guy ever again, Okay. But here's the deal. See, Scott leaves here, and he goes back to his state farm place. You guys leave here, and you go back into your real world, whatever that is for you. For some of you, that's school. For some of you, that's work. For some of you, you work really, really hard at home. For some of you, that is being who God wants you to be in your neighborhood. But you're commissioned from here. You're sent from here on purpose. You don't just walk out those doors and just, well, see you, bye, No, no, no. You are commissioned from here as God's agent in Byron Center and beyond. Because God wants to do amazing things in you, but then he wants to do amazing things through you. He wants to work in you, but then he wants to work through you. So this is a place and a space where God's going to say, Hey, I want to challenge you to be my person out in that place where you do everyday life. Where you just experience, you know, I, I gotta tell you, I've been in some really interesting spaces and places this last week, true story. What I mean, I, I, not, not really all that bizarre, but um, I have a friend that says, if you love an airline, it's only because you haven't flown them enough. And, uh, and so the last two weeks I've been stuck by, my, by the airline I fly with the most and been stuck and I, I got stuck and it was, a, it was a, bless you. And it was a, a, a you don't have COVID, do you? I'm kidding, <laughs> kidding you know what I found out this morning? I gave him COVID. I gave him COVID on on Thanksgiving. I found that. Last time I was here, it's just before Thanksgiving. He came up to me this morning and said, hey, you know what? He said, that day, last time I saw you, we gave each other a big hug. And I said, yeah, I remember that clearly. And he said, yeah, I got COVID two days later. And I said, I gave it to you. (laughs) True story. My daughter gave it to me. I didn't know I had it. I gave it to him. So he doesn't have to wonder where did I get COVID from? I got it from Chris Conrad. (laughs) It's a gift that keeps giving. I just keep loving you know, where was I? I have no, oh, look, a bird. I have no idea. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, that so I, yeah, I, I, I was flying Delta. And anyway, so all this kind of stuff, and it, it was really, bless our hearts, it was a really, it just had, happened to have two bad days, and I got stuck in the middle of it. And it was an opportunity for me to be Jesus in that space and in that place over and over and over again. See, I'm commissioned by Jesus in places like this to go be him wherever I do life. At the grocery store next, next door, if, I, if for some reason something goes wrong there, I'm commissioned by Jesus at work, at school, whatever. You're commissioned by Jesus to be his person here and there. So three things. This is a place where we connect with God, where, again, we watch him do powerful work in other people's lives that we invite to this place. And thirdly, then, we're commissioned from here to go other places. So this place is a sacred place for those reasons. And I just want to pray for you and for us and thank God for this space and then commission it for all the work he wants to do in this space. So would you mind praying with me? And then we'll get into other things. So Holy Spirit of God, thank you so much. We're asking you, God, to make us aware of your presence. Just like when Moses came stumbling across a a bush that kept burning and you told him, hey, Mo, take off your your sandals. You're on holy ground. And the ground wasn't made holy because of something all that strange. It was because your presence was there. And so, God, I pray that we would have this sense as we walk into this place that this is holy ground. This is a space and a place where we can devote ourselves to worship you, to honor you, to focus our minds on you, to get off our silly phones, and to focus on you to lay down the things that have taken so much mental space in the last seven days of our life and focus on the God of the universe. Now, God, I certainly pray that we would do that throughout the week, but I pray that we would do that especially here in this space, that we would be open to all the things that you want to speak into our lives in this space and that this really would become holy ground to us because of the encounters with Holy Spirit that we have in this space where you do supernatural work in our lives. And then, God, we pray for our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers who don't have a relationship with you. Even as Pastor John said a few moments ago, the Chamber of Commerce folks, we pray for the, you know, literally the tens of thousands of people that call Byron Center their home that don't have a personal relationship with you. We pray that there would be encounters with Almighty God in this space and in this place because we help to invite them to this place, that it wouldn't just be us, that we would open it to others. And finally, God, we pray that you would remind us that we're being commissioned from this space to go be your young adult, to go be your ambassador, to go be your person in the workplace, at school, in our neighborhoods, wherever we find ourselves. Help us, God, to represent you because we've been commissioned from this place. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for this place. We're thankful that you've redeemed it, and now God used it in supernatural ways so that when people drive by this space, they will be able to say, God changed my life in that space. He met with me in a powerful way, and my life was forever changed. Jesus, for all that you do, we will give you praise and glory and honor. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said? Now, for one last time, I just want to say thank you for those of you who have sacrificed to make this space happen. I'm really proud of you, and I'm super thankful for you. Okay, here we go. Ready? Part two. Say Part two. Okay, now, first of all, happy Father's Day. Okay? Great, great Father's Day. True story. I'm not making this up. Uh, I, have a, I have a friend uh, who is walking through a series and who didn't want to break their series for whatever it was that they were talking, wh- whatever day it happened to be. So they happened to be in this series. It happened to be Mother's Day. I'm not making this up. And it was a fairly large church, and they spoke on sex on Mother's Day. How do you think that went over with their congregation? Not well, actually. Now, I know it's Father's Day, and the truth of the matter is, is I, I've sat through many of Father's Day messages where I kind of felt like, well, here I am, and it's yeah, and in, and I hope I can measure up. Well, th- 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 quite frankly, what happened is, is that Pastor John called me and said, hey, I uh, would love to have you come. And it, just because of my schedule, I said, well, I think Father's Day would happen to be the best day for me. He said, great. And then he said, hey, we're going, through the, uh, we're going through the book of Psalms. Can you do a can you do a message out of Psalms? I said, absolutely, I can. And I knew exactly what Holy Spirit wanted me to talk about as soon as he told me that. The problem is it has nothing to do with Father's Day. Okay? So uh, dads, I hope you feel honored. I hope you feel special. I hope you feel like you're awesome. But we're not going to talk anything more about Father's Day. So if you're a dad... The video was for you. My way to go is for you right now. That's great, okay? And go enjoy your day, okay? Now, for the rest of us, we're actually going to have some fun talking about what I think God wants to talk to us about out of Psalm 22. Now, here's what I want you to I want you to think about a great day in your life, a day when you got to do something that you really, really enjoyed. Whatever that is. I don't care. What is something you really enjoy doing? And you got to do it. And you just, your li- like life was breathed into you because you got to do it that day. Now, we all know that one person's joy can be another person's, eh, not so much, right? We get that. So it, it might not be, the same thing for you Maybe different than the person sitting next to you. I totally get that. But think of a time when you got to do something that was really, really fun, that you really enjoyed, okay? You got that thought? You kind of having those good feelings in your spirit and your heart, okay? Now, here's the thing. I want you, unfortunately, to think about a day that was the polar opposite of that, <laughs> for just a few moments. Think about a day that was a really rough day for you, a day when things did not go well. I've been fired from two different churches before. How bad do you have to be to be fired from a church and have it be twice that it's happened to you? True story, okay? Apparently, the more incompetent you are, they just keep raising you up in the church world. I don't know, but anyways, so you know, think of that day when things just didn't go the way that you had hoped or thought that they would go. Think of that day. Um, you know, I, I have a dear friend that I've known for 30 years. His name is Dan. And two and a half weeks ago, uh, I was part of his funeral. Uh, Dan went from having a pain in his shoulder to dying of pancreatic cancer in 11 weeks gone. And uh, he's a dear man, just one of the nicest guys in the world. My wife tells me, and my, my, my wife is here this morning, but my wife tells me that if she was ever really, really sick and she wanted someone to come visit her in the hospital, it would have been Dan. Because he has such a, he's just a great, great guy. Again, he was someone on my staff, and uh, I love him dearly. On the same day that my, my dear friend Dan, that I was performing his ceremony, my best friend from junior high and high school, a guy by the name of John, passed away of a massive heart attack. He was my age, 55 years old, passed away of a massive heart attack. And um, that kind of rocked my world a little bit on the same day. And uh, you, know, I, you just kind of go through those days, those tough days that you don't wish on anybody. You know, I've had days when I felt deeply discouraged days when i felt like a failure as a dad as a husband as a leader days i felt stressed about things uh financially or at work or whatever days when my wife was deeply hurting and there was nothing i could do but hold her hand now my wife mary you know I, i married way over my head she's a wonderful wonderful woman of god and i love mary a lot i really really do um But there have been days when she's gone through tough, tough times. And as a spouse, sometimes all you can do is just hold their hand and just say, I love you, and I'm sorry, and this sucks. I've had those days. Everyone in the room, whether you're married or not, has had those days when things, you know, don't go the way that we'd like them to go. Because we all understand in life, we're going to have those awesome days. And we're also going to have those non- awesome days right and on those days when life gets really really tough we can begin to think that maybe we're just isolated maybe we really are all alone we can begin to ask questions like what in the world is going on have you ever had that day what in the world is going on like god what in the world are you doing here Okay, like we don't want to say those words out loud because we're afraid we might get struck by lightning. But those are the thoughts that go through our brain, right? God, what are you doing? Like I can remember 11 years ago right now. Obviously, I still remember this. Uh, I had two transmissions in two cars, both of them Japanese cars, a Toyota and a Honda, lose a transmission within three months of each other. $8,000 worth of transmissions. God, what are you doing? Right? I remember those days you remember those types of days as well. Like, God, I don't get it. No, I, I was, I was uh, celebrating with someone t- just before the service started that um, when we moved here 11 years ago, we couldn't find a house, couldn't find a house, and we finally found one right here, as I said, over on 87th Street, and we rented it because it was only for rent, so we rented it for two years, and, um, and it was awesome. And then after two years, they sold it to us. We got to buy it, that's awesome. Three months after we bought it, um, they'd never had any flooding problems prior to that. But our entire basement flooded. True story. Ours was the only house that didn't have a sump pump. I didn't know why. I didn't think about it. But then I found out that we needed one. You know how expensive it is to put a sump pump in once the house is already built? $18,000 is how expensive it is. And you call your state farm agent, and they say, this is an act of God is what this is. (laughs) And you want to say, I talked to God. He had nothing to do with it. right? But it's okay, you know? In God's provision, he provided It's good. It wasn't God's fault. It wasn't anybody's fault. It just was, you know? We've had those days. We've all had those days, right? Where we just say, oh, really? This is not exactly what I had planned. And again, again, I think we can be, I think we can be tempted to think, God, where are you in those moments? And we can begin to think that we are all alone. But I am convinced as I'm standing here that we don't have to feel alone in those moments. We never have to feel isolated or alone again, ever. Did I say ever? And I mean ever. You never, ever have to feel isolated or lonely again. Now, that is a radical thought for some of you. I believe it is gospel truth. I believe it's truth that comes right out of God's word, that you never have to experience loneliness again, no matter what because God's presence is always with you. Now, what I want to do is I want to give us an example from Scripture. You know, um, no one ever faced a more difficult day than Jesus did in the 24 hours that go from the time he was with his disciples in in a setting that we now call the Last Supper through the next 24 hours that he went to the cross. That was a difficult day. Now, It started as a very, very special time for him. Like he was jazzed at the beginning of that time because he got to spend time with his disciples. How do I know that? Because this is what he said. It's going to be up on the screens. When that time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. Like, Jesus, I've been looking forward to this Thanksgiving meal. Like, woohoo! this has been a time I've been looking forward to. It's My favorite food, like, I don't know what Jesus' favorite food was, but there it was. And he was excited about it, and he was excited to spend that time with his disciples, with peeps that he loved, peeps that had spent the last three years with him. He was excited to spend that time with them. And he said it. And one of the most powerful scriptures in all of the Bible comes in John 13 through 17. The Gospel of John and the New Testament of the Bible from John 13 to 17. And all that takes place, all of that are Jesus' words that he talks about or that he says during either that Last Supper or when he's heading to the garden. As a matter of fact, I don't want to bore you, but I'm spending my entire time with Jesus alone every day these days just looking at John 13 to 17. I'm just reading it again and again and again because there's truth in there that I want to soak into. And I want it to soak into my life and my heart. There's so many ways, because Jesus prays for us there. It's just a powerful passage of scripture. But here's the thing. Once they got up from that dinner table and they had dinner together, woo we had a great time. Then Jesus walks them through a vineyard. And by the way, John 15 talks about the fact that I'm the vine, you're the branches. Just because he's walking through a vineyard. He literally uses what he's got right in front of him to teach his disciples a lesson. And then he goes on to this garden called the Garden of Gethsemane, and he gets down on his knees and begins to pray. Because what he knows is that in the next few minutes, I'm about to be betrayed. I'm about to be betrayed. Judas is going to show up, and I'm going to be arrested. And then what's going to happen is that my face is going to be punched. I'm going to be spit on by multiple people. I'm going to have a crown of thorns that they're going to dig into my scalp until my head begins to bleed. Then I'm going to be whipped 39 times with a whip on my back. And it's going to lay open my back. And then I'm going to have to carry part of the way up a hill until another man begins to help me carry it across. And when we finally get to the top of that hill, they're going to nail me to that cross with spikes. And I'm going to be crucified. It was Jesus' worst day. And here's the irony. The irony is, is that Jesus' worst day was our best day. Because that's the day that he paid for everything wrong that you will ever do. And everything wrong that I will ever do. And everything wrong that everyone you will ever lock eyes with who's another human being will ever do. Jesus paid the price for your sin and my sin that day it was his worst day but it was our best day see here's the thing god by the name of paul later on writes this about that day god showed his great love for us by sending christ to die for us while we were still sinners we didn't care we didn't care because we didn't know we should care but jesus went to a cross <laughs> You know, know, it's interesting. You know how we know that Jesus is God? (laughs) It's just us, right? Um, How many of you, you do something around the house and you want to announce that you just did something very special around the house, right? Have you ever done that? Hey, I just did everybody's laundry or whatever it might be, right? (laughs) I just cleaned up all the dishes, okay? Fanfare, someone just celebrate me for everything I just did. Or we pout about it that they're not right? Stupid, ungrateful family. I can't believe them. Making me do everything. I do everything for this family. I never get thanked. Stupid, stupid family, right? It's just us. How many of you have ever thought something along those lines at least once? The rest of you are lying and you're in church right now, okay? Okay? So the way, the way that we know Jesus is God is that he went to the cross to die for our sins and didn't parade about it. He just laid his life down. Another passage of Scripture said this, the price tag for our sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus died in our place for our sin. That's how much he loved us. And again, if you've never come into a relationship with him, he'd love to be in a relationship with you. And we can pray that prayer at the end of the message. But here's the thing. I don't know what you've been taught about that day. Here's the thing. Some Some people have assumed that the Father, the Heavenly Father, wasn't with Jesus on the cross that day. They've said things like, Jesus was so full of sin that the Father couldn't look at him anymore, so the Father had to leave. And maybe you've been taught that, and I understand it. It's very easy to understand why people get confused about this day. Because at first glance, it appears that the Father has left him. Like when you first look at it, it appears that way. But here's the thing, and this is why, by the way. This comes right out of the, the, the Gospel of Matthew and it says, At noon, darkness fell upon the whole land until three o'clock. And about three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lema, sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? So everyone thinks, oh, I guess the Heavenly Father abandoned him. But what you have to do is you actually have to dig a little bit deeper. Because see, the people that were surrounding Jesus that day were a lot of religious leaders. Who quite frankly, Jesus was making them feel uncomfortable because he was talking to them about their hearts and their motives. And instead of wanting to be talked about concerning their heart, they were too uncomfortable. We don't want someone to talk to us about our heart and our motive. We'd rather kill the guy. So that's exactly what they did. They go to this guy by the name of Pilate and they say, Pilate, we want you to kill Jesus. And Pilate ends up saying, okay, let's kill him. And so now they're surrounding the cross, and they're all excited. Yay, hey, Jesus is dying. Yay, hey, we killed the guy. We won't have to be, you know, this stupid revolutionary. We won't, have to be, we won't have to be bothered by him anymore. But these same religious leaders, they knew the Old Testament, what we now call the Old Testament of the Bible. They knew the scriptures really, really well. They would have had most of the Old Testament memorized. And as a result of that, they would have known That those words that Jesus spoke came right out of Psalm chapter 22. And this is what Psalm 22 says up on the screen. My God, my God. This is a guy who's writing 600 years before Jesus died. 600 years. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you see those words? The very words Jesus said. They're the first words of this psalm. And everybody who was a religious leader around Jesus' cross that day knew those words. Why are you so far from saving me, so far my, from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Now, hang on. Yet you're enthroned as the Holy One, God. You're the one Israel praises. If you our ancestor, if in you our ancestors put their trust, they trusted and, de- and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. And you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I'm a worm and not a man. I'm scorned, here you go, I'm scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. That's exactly what's happening around that cross that day. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. Hey, Jesus, if you're so good, why don't you come off that cross? If you who you say you are, then you come off that cross. That's exactly what they were saying to them that day. He trusts the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. And now I'm just going to break off. I'm going to read. It's not up on the screen, but let me read from you from Luke chapter 22, verse 35. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said, as they were standing around the cross. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The very thing that Psalm 22 predicted is exactly what is happening around that cross. Let me go on. Verse 9, Psalm 22. Yet you, God, brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. So do not, do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey. Hello, my back was just open up, open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It's melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot shear, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. By the way, John 19, 28, the only request Jesus made from the cross was something to drink. He said in John 19, 28, I am thirsty. What did verse 15 of, of, of Psalm 22 just say? I'm thirsty. Verse 16 Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands. Hello? They pierce my hands and my feet. What had happened on the cross just then? His hands were pierced. All my bones are on display. People stare and glow over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Now I'm going to, again, go to John 19. And I'm just going to read. It's not up on the note, not on the screen, but here we go. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. And this fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. Where did that scripture come from? Psalm 22. So that's what they did. Verse 19. Now here's what's key. This is where it starts getting really, really good. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of these lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. And this is where it's really key, verse 24. For he has not, say the word not, he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has what? Not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. See, the religious leaders standing around the cross that day, they thought they had won. Woohoo! We put this guy to death. But then Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And all of a sudden it comes to their brain of what Psalm 22 says, and they're sitting there and they're having an oh crap moment. Oh, my garage. Like wait, we thought we had just killed this revolutionary, and actually, all that's happening is that we are nothing but pawns in a greater story that God is telling, and we're looking upon Psalm Twenty-Two happening right before our eyes. See, Jesus was saying to them, "You think you're covering, you're killing a revolutionary, but in reality." There's something a lot bigger going on here, and my Father is redeeming people left, right, and center because of what's happening in this place. And by the way, the Father is right here. He has not abandoned me. The Heavenly Father is right here with me. So what does that mean for us? What that means for us is, first of all, we don't have to earn our salvation. We don't have to try and be good enough to get to God Because we can't earn our salvation. It is a gift. Jesus went to the cross to give you a giant gift on Father's Day. And that gift is salvation. You can't earn it. And by the way, that goes directly against everything else that we work towards. You know, We always have to try and position ourselves up and climb some corporate ladder or whatever by working hard and doing whatever. When we're a student, we have to work really hard to get whatever grades that we're going to get. We have to work for everything in life. So we think we have to earn our salvation. No, 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 you don't earn your salvation. It is a gift from God. If we could have earned it, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. So just receive it as a gift. But number two, this means that, catch this, if Jesus was filled to the brim with everything you've ever done wrong. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would like to have everything you've ever done wrong put up on these screens? Not just the words, but actually watching you do the wrong thing. How would you like to have all that put up on these screens? Anybody want to go for that? I don't think so, right? We'd rather not do that. But here's the deal. Jesus was filled to the brim with everything that everyone has ever done wrong, is doing wrong right this second, and will ever do wrong. He was filled with sin. And yet what? And yet the heavenly Father was right there with him in his agony. So what does that mean for us? That means he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him. And that means there will never be a moment in your life when your heavenly father is not willing to be with you. You will never encounter anything in your life where your heavenly father is not willing to be with you and is not with you. Never. Never. See, I think it's so sad that so many times Christ's followers go through things and they, they act as if they're isolated like the rest of the world is isolated. No, 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 no. Your Heavenly Father is walking through that with you. You may not understand it. You may not get it. But he is standing with you to walk with you. Never be, you'll never be fired or downsized. You'll never commit a sin and have him say, that's it, I'm done with you forever, I'm out. Heavenly Father will never say that. You'll never face a financial difficulty or have a baby cry at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> you'll, never, you'll never have difficulty in your marriage and then have him say, that's it, I'm done. You'll never need wisdom with your children and then have him leave you. You'll never suffer mental illness. You'll never be depressed. You'll never have him, you know, you'll never have this deep sense of agony And have him say, I'm sorry, I'm out. He's right there with you in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through. There will be times when you don't feel his presence. I can remember so clearly some moments in my life when I'm standing at the bottom of the stairs in a house in Madison, Wisconsin, we lived in, and I felt like an abysmal failure. An abysmal failure. For more reasons than I have to tell you today. But can I tell you, God was right there in in that moment with me some of you would know that we went 16 years without being able to have children and there was a a, a phenomenal moment, phenomenally sad moment, when everything in the world that could go wrong did go wrong in that process. And I'm holding my wife and in almost 31 years of marriage, I can remember two or three times when my wife was just crying from the depths of her soul, sobbing. And all I could do was hold her hand. But can I tell you, in those moments, God was there. He had not abandoned us. He hadn't left us. He hadn't checked out because life got too hard. He was there. And he will be there for you for every moment of your life. When you think you can't go on, he's there. My dear friend, Renee, who was married for 49 years and lost her husband, Dan, he is there for her right now in this moment. He's there for her. And that awareness that God never leaves us should give you confidence, should give you trust, should allow you never to feel anxiety again. You don't have to feel anxious for anything because he's with you. And it should also lead us to praise him. The last little bit, I really am landing this plane now. Do you remember what Psalm 22 said? From you comes the theme of my praise with the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. Why? Because he's always been there. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to people yet unborn that he has done it. The fact that God is always with us can transform our lives. His presence provides, let's just put a simple little list, peace that goes beyond our understanding, comfort, joy, hope, healing, strength and power to overcome any kind of addiction or anything that you're going through. And again, I just wrote peace again, purposely, I... Want you to experience peace that God has. So, in closing, if you're not in a relationship with God, would you please open up your hearts to a relationship with God? I'm going to invite Peter to come up. And if you are in a relationship with God, where is that space and in that place where you need his presence the most? Where is it that you've been tempted to forget that he's working in that situation? And you just need his presence to say, God, I need you at my job with this person that's driving me crazy. Or God, I need you in our finances. Or God, I need you in our marriage relationship. Or God, I need you as a parent. Or God, I need you in this space and in this place because I've got this addiction and I need, I need your power to overcome it. And I just say he's there. You'll never be anywhere where his Holy Spirit is not there and wanting to work thank you for being so attentive. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, in a room like this that we've already said we're so grateful for, I pray that right now that you would fill us with a fresh sense of your love for us. God, for those who've never come into a relationship with you, I pray that right now they would say, God, Thank you for all that you did for me. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross on my behalf. You didn't make a big fanfare of it. You just went to the cross and died in my place for my sin. And right now, I want to begin a relationship with you. And today, Father's Day 2021, would be your freedom day. We celebrated Juneteenth yesterday. Today can be your freedom day. God, now I pray for others that they came into a relationship with you maybe 5, 10, 15, 30, 40, whatever. How many years ago? Right now, you have spoken to their lives and you've said, please stop doing that aspect of your life without me. And for those who are tempted to feel lonely or isolated or alone in whatever situation, I pray right now, Holy Spirit of God, I pray right now that you'd begin to minister to them and you'd say, I am with you. I'm with you till the very end. You will never go through something. Even when you walk through the valley the valley of the shadow of the death, I will be there with you. I did not leave my son. I will not leave you. Ever. Ever. And I pray, God, that that would breathe in us a confidence. I pray that your power begin to to be unleashed in our lives and that we would see your hand working and we would allow you to work in all kinds of areas in our lives because your presence is there. God, quite frankly, maybe we need to be remembered, reminded, excuse me, of the fact that your presence is with us always. And so there are some things that we just need to get rid of in our lives and do away with. I pray that we would commit ourselves in this moment right now to say, God, would you give me the power to overcome that sin or that addiction or whatever it is I'm giving myself to? And we would have our own hallmark moment where we would mark this day sitting in this chair where we said, God's power began to be unleashed in my life in that area. So whatever it is, God, in a relationship, whatever it is, we need your power Need your presence, and we are going to leave here in a few moments knowing that your presence goes with us. And where your presence dwells, anything is possible. We're grateful for that, Jesus.